Something tragic happened this morning, Brad. Oh, oh. I reached out to grab my car. I, I use I've used a Kalita Wave, the stainless steel one for like five, six years to make coffee now. This is high coffee technology, to be clear. I mean, I don't know if it's, it's a it's a it's a cup with some holes on the bottom. It's tapered. It's flat on the bottom. You put a basket filter in it and then you pour water and and, and ground up coffee beans in it. This is one of those uh, pour over things. It is a pour over thing. Yes. It has a little metal handle that was attached to the side that has it's it's got a little like like rubber thing on it so that you don't burn your fingies when you when you take the hot the hot. <laughs> Sorry, your fingies. You don't say fingies. I I do now. There you go. So you don't burn your fingies when you when you take the hot the hot wave off the top of your of your brew pitcher or your mug or whatever. And when I took the handle off this morning, it just came off in my hands Wait, and what? the thing stayed behind. See, I, I was, I was, I was feigning ignorance here because you actually told me about this before we started. I, did. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. oh, you probably dropped it or banged it up against something, but like it, you just picked it up and it came apart. Well, okay. So normally if you have like a ceramic or glass, one of these, it's an integral part of the thing, right? So it's like, it's like part of the, of the ceramic mold and that, you know, when they fire it, it's just built in. It's all one piece. Right. Yeah, so I've, I've dropped, like I've dropped it's funny. The handles on my pour over things have a finite lifespan because my my uh, Hario V60 handle, I dropped a few years ago and it exploded off and I had to glue it back. And, and it's got like some weird gaps where I didn't find all the shards. Uh, this one looks like it was soldered into the there's two holes punched in the side of the stainless steel. So I bought the, I bought the Kalita in a stainless steel format because of my experience with the V60. And I was like, I'm going to, this will be indestructible. I'll have it forever. It looks like there were two holes punched in the side of the Kalita. And then it looks like it was soldered in place, which makes me really anxious. Cause I didn't realize that there was such a thing as food safe solder. Is, is there such a thing? I'm typing into Google right now. Cause I just like, it just occurred to me to look. Uh, you, yeah. You don't sound very certain here. Food grade lead three, th- lead free three millimeter wire solder. There you go. Okay. There you go. I probably there wouldn't you buy that from Amazon. You, you know, Pour over coffee sounds dangerous to me. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing about explosions and shards and uh, solder and maybe, you know what works pretty well? A drip filter. It's more that I shouldn't probably hold things before I have coffee in the morning. Okay, that's actually a fair point. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you always know it's going to be a rip-roaring weekend when you wake up on Saturday and immediately break something. The weird thing, though, is I got to get a new tip for my soldering iron if I'm going to fix this. Oh, for the pine sole? Well... Because I don't, the other, I'm unsure if I've used lead solder on the other tips. Because is, is there fear of contamination? Is it that dire? Yeah, I don't want to have, like, any amount of lead you ingest is too much lead to ingest. Yeah, fair. It makes you stupid and more aggressive. That's, uh-huh. You know. And, and other things I'm not, I started to say, but anyway. Yeah, but, but, so I think I got to get a fresh tip. Cause I don't want to do that. I, like I don't, I, I might just buy a new one. Cause I'm a little anxious about using solder, like self soldering food, safe solder. Maybe, maybe just do that. Probably the right choice. Welcome to Brad and Will Made a Tech Pod. I'm Will. Whoa, how do I follow that up? 
say I'm Brad usually. I'm Brad. One syllable names. You don't have a lot of room to do weird shit with them. Yes, I could. I could roll R. Maybe. No, Brad. I don't have an R. I'm a Will. I'm Brad. Will. I don't. There's not a. No. Yeah, you're right. There's you not a lot. That. Really, not a lot to work with here. We could go with our full given names. I don't know. I don't think I want to do that. It's, <laughs> Maybe the less said about that, the better. Hello. Yeah, let's just move on. Hi, hi. Uh, so yeah, my morning's been kind of weird. Um, apparently, this was a 900 watt, 950 watt Kalita wave, the one that I had. I'm looking at it on Amazon. It's 50 bucks to replace. 950 watts, did you that's, say? That's what it says on the thing. I don't think that's really correct. I'm sorry, I was a little distracted uh, after that intro. Someone walked down the hall and was laughing hysterically. <laughs> That's always a good sign. Sure. Wasn't sure what to make of that anyway. I say you have an audience, a live studio audience uh, for your, for your yes. half of the show. Yes. Live reacts anyway. Um, so today we're going to do something a little bit different. Wait, is it different? I mean, we're here to recommend. I guess that's true. We've recommended things, but but like we're here to turn people on to things that make their lives a little easier. That That's true. One of the early episodes of the show that people liked, we kind of I think we kind of casually made an aside. I kind of casually mentioned, hey, there's this stuff called nanotape that's like reusable and sticky and you can put it on things what you don't want to be permanently affixed to something, but it'll hold on almost as though it's permanently affixed. Mm-hmm. People really liked that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, we did that desk setup episode where. More ideas for routing and mounting and stacking and yeah, you know we're we're offered. So it's um the i the 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 thought this week is here is some stuff like what well, we're looking so looking around the house walking around the house you see a bunch of things that we've done each of we we've each done to make our lives a little bit easier better yeah. you know things just things that we use you know yeah things we like yeah. um but probably don't deserve a whole episode so. Here is uh, the thing that I, I thought we should call shit we like as much as we like nanotape. Yeah, that's, you know, maybe a little wordier than life hacks, but I think I like it better. I don't like life hacks as much these days. I'm not a fan necessarily. Right, so can we talk like the life hack thing? It got like so it's it's a that is a very mid teens early early to mid teens like a blogosphere term oh, it's before me. then it's is like it really? a, it's yeah because that was when it was ruined in like 2005 uh, gina trapani and the folks at lifehacker like lifehacker started as her blog as gina's blog talking about her organization techniques for like how she kept her task lists and stuff like that okay and then it kind of grew into a general productivity and like like it, it, it kind of rose with the rise of of OS ten app. Like, like my you remember, remember when OS ten was the hot thing and everybody was building like little apps for it. Oh yeah, and then phones came along and your apps on your desktop would talk to your to your phone apps, mm-hmm. and it produced this whole ecosystem of weird things like Fantastical and Wonderlist and all these tools that still persist. Oh yeah, um, Better and, Touch tool. Yeah. And then and then YouTube took over life hacks and it mm-hmm. became like, hey, man, he, let me show you how to peel a carrot real fast. <laughs> I mean, I'm always trying to peel carrots faster. Well, do I have a life hack for you, Brad? I'm, I'm looking at life hacker. No, no, nothing against life hacker. But I mean, some of the headlines lung detoxes are the TikTok myth of the week. I think the post post Gawker owned Gawker blogs have all fallen somewhat to more and less extent. The weirdest things you can buy at Timu, the internet's new favorite jumble sale. Oh, Timu. I get a lot of ads for them when I'm on, not uh, behind the pie hole. 
It's mm. all weird stuff too. It's usually like two things that are normal, something that's oddly sexy, and then something else. Oh boy. Well, I went to Timu. I've never been to Timu.com before. T-E-M-U, if people want to. Anyway, like right on top of the commerce interface, they popped up a big pop-up unit. Spin to win a hundred dollar coupon bundle. And it's straight up a like bonsai buddy style. Oh man. <laughs> like early to mid aughts, like like a little gambling game that pops up on the thing. I yeah. Man, they they have the cable, the cable, the the blue cable organizer thingies that I like just right here on the homepage. Wow. Actually, you know, now that I, it's like it's a, a three pack of little USB cable routers, a pulse oximeter. Um, yeah, they have a pair of sick, like polarized sports sunglasses, like Oakley blades. Uh-huh. Yes. Oh, and then a lingerie section as I scroll down. I told you some one thing that's oddly sexy. Maybe Timu is the best store on the internet. Here's a keychain that says you're my favorite asshole. Uh, here's a garlic <laughs> press. A roll of waterproof anti-mildew tape for your toilet rim. Why is the Father's Day section women in tank tops, Brad? I don't know. You have to Let's hey, move on. Things for dads. I don't know. Retro. All right. Yeah, we're done. Retro handheld game console. It's just like one of those Game Boy style, but it's not even Ooh. branded. They don't even say it's six dollars and eighty eight cents. What could that be? Six dollars and eighty-eight cents. It's got to like be like a Pinano or something, right? Or a knockoff Pinano. Like the yeah, I guess so. You, you know what I mean, right? It's this um, it's this kind of like analog pocket style, like Game Boy esque design style of retro handheld. It looks exactly like that. It has Mario on the screenshot. I'm going to order one of these right now. It is six dollars and eighty-eight cents. I'm going to order two of these. We're each going to get one. What is this? Um, I'm looking for specs. There are no specs. Can I get a Can I get a red one? You want a red one? Oh no, okay. the red one is seven dollars and eighteen cents. Never mind. I, look, I'll I'll pay the extra buck. I got you. Father's Day ends uh, before long. Okay, so Man, maybe we should just do a Timu episode. <laughs> I feel like that's a little little more commercial than maybe I want to be, but uh, still still zero idea what the specifications of this thing are. I don't think they list them anywhere. It's, it's for six dollars and eighty eight cents. You don't get specs. No, probably not. Anyway. Yeah, hi. So life life hack number one, don't go to Timu. Yeah, Timu seems like a place to end up filling your house with a bunch of shit you don't need. Uh, Number two, here are some things that we like. So nanotape is a classic example. Uh Uh, You might have heard of it uh, on late night TV as alien tape, but it's like it's tape with sticky stuff on one or sometimes zero sides and little tiny micro bubbles that let you suction smooth faced things to other smooth faced things. Uh, Don't use it on drywall because it'll pull the paint off of your drywall. Mm -hmm. P.S. We learned that from the discord. Um, I use it to stick things on my desk so they don't wiggle around. Hmm. Yeah. The surf, the underside of my desk is not the type of surface it works well on, sadly. No, no. I put it on the top of my desk. So I like, so like my wrist rest and my mouse pad and my, my steam decks, stream decks and all that stuff doesn't wiggle. As you know, I don't put things on the top of my desk. So (sighs) not really a valid use case for me. Anyway, we're here to try to offer some more things in the nanotape vein think have made our lives better that we like or tricks and tips i guess um i i have an easy one that actually is not on the list i'm just gonna i'm just gonna go completely off script here right at the start i like usb-c extenders Mm. because often usb-c cables like my apple watch charger or my charger for my phone pad or a lot of the chargers i use are too damn short that's fair i've come to be a little distrustful of usb extension cables 
over time in terms of signal integrity, voltage issues, et cetera, et cetera. I only use them for power generally, okay. not for data. But Maybe yes. USB-C charging and power scenarios are typically not prone to that kind of thing? Most USB-C charging scenarios are actually USB 2 data connections is my understanding. Oh, you know, I could, I could insert, this is also not on the list, but I was talking to some people on the Discord about getting a, um, a USB voltage tester. Ooh. Uh, there are all kinds of them on Amazon now. There are ones that are like, there are like four-way ones that are like USB A in and out and then USB C in and out that look like a plus configuration. And then there Ooh. are like eight-way ones that'll take like barrel plugs as well. And they've all got little screens on them. They're like 15 to $20. You can also get those on Timu, just FYI. I don't know about the Timu versions. You can get a thing that plugs into your USB port and tells you how much power it'll give you. So that's exactly what it is, is you plug a, you plug the, you know device into one end and then the you know to the, the port out of the other end and it'll tell you how much voltage it's supplying as i am having issues with usb ports and like av devices like it seems like a nice mm. thing to have to if you're having such problems and be like okay well that's why that's happening well, i'm not getting enough voltage out of that port here and, that and, lives- and, and, that, and that's why i'm distrustful of extenders and anything anything where there is a another connection in the chain well, feels like it's got the potential to cause issues one of the things that has come has has become clear to me over the last year or so is that testers like that that used to be kind of specialty equipment and expensive have mm-hmm. become relatively inexpensive these days. Yeah. Uh, like our next thing, I didn't realize that this was a thing that existed, but if like I've reached the point now where I have some old NVMEs laying around, mm-hmm. some old SSDs that are of the stick variety, it's a pain in the ass to put them into it. Like you have to open up the box. You have to usually move some cards around, slam some things into the slots. And in order to get a uh, plug an SSD into uh, an NVMe SSD into a computer mm-hmm. uh, for about 20 bucks, you can go to Amazon and buy a thing that has a USB port on one end and an NVMe port on the other end. And you jam this, the NVMe drives into that and plug it into your computer and it just works. And the speeds are ridiculous. Generally it's like USB three it's, it's three point three point. Is it 3.0 Gen 2 or 3.2 Gen 2? 3.2 Gen 2 is the current moniker. Anyway, it's like 20 or 30 gigabits per second. It's really fast. Um, Well, 3.0 tops out at 5, right? But that's still very fast. Okay, so then it's, yeah. Uh, But, but, I mean, USB is getting faster. Like, motherboards are shipping with with 10 gigabit and 20 gigabit ports regularly now, I believe. There There are boards on the market that have straight up USB 4 on them now, which are 40 gigabit. My guess is that the USB four PCIe four ones are not going to be 20 bucks. Probably not. So that was, that was my first question here is all the adapters like this I've seen are PCI express gen three. Honestly, I was wondering because most of the drives you buy are 4.0 these days. So I was wondering if there are any 4.0 adapters out there yet, but I, I, the one that I have is not, um, I, I couldn't find any. Honestly, for me, it's less about having fast portable data as it is an easy way to pull stuff off of old. Like it, it's a migration tool. Yeah, so it's like you're sure. building a new computer or you're upgrading your, you're like you're upgrading your C drive. The old way to do without this, the way to do this is to copy everything off onto another larger drive. Um, but you know, back up that original C drive, put the new one in, reinstall windows and then copy everything back over with this. You just pop the old one out, put the new one in, install windows, and then plug the, the old drive into this USB-C adapter and, and, uh, and go from there, which yeah, I think that, is pretty nice. I mean, there, there are a couple other reasons that these are very valuable. Number one, it's hard to find USB thumb drives in the kind of sizes you need to do things like that. Yeah. Um, number two, 
I think I'm done buying USB thumb drives. I don't think I will ever buy another one if I can help it because they are so goddamn unreliable. And um, you can get more reliable ones and there you can get the, the special like low, like if your board supports them, you can get those special high speed like they're basically like USB SSDs. So they have right, right control and all right. that stuff on well, them. So that's the thing I was going to add here is in addition to getting an NVMe adapter, I would also recommend everybody just get at least one SATA to USB because who doesn't have a stack of old SATA SSDs lying around? And like, so obviously I, they're like, you know, a tenth as fast as an NVMe drive, but they're still pretty fast, faster than a thumb drive and big enough to do useful things with. So I've got like, five old SATA SSDs sitting here in a stack and I'm just using those instead of thumb drives for situations where I need removable storage. And you can get a SATA to USB three cable for like 10 bucks at this point. Yeah. The, the trick with those, is you also need a power plug. Um, but those are relatively inexpensive. Oh, these, too. these are, these are just bus powered. Oh, these are bus powered. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. nice. Yeah. It's just USB three to a SATA connector that plugs into, and you know, like your average SATA SSD is like, it's not a bare circuit board. It's like kind of, the enclosure is yeah, like a little of, box. Yeah. The, the enclosure is kind of portable esque external esque to begin with. So it's, it's funny. I bought, I was looking for it a minute ago. Uh, they don't sell it anymore, but I bought years ago, a USB three to SATA slash PATA, um, thing for archiving old hard drives. Um, but, but you can do the big wide ribbon cables. And so if you have a big box of hard drives in your garage and you're like, I wonder what's on those big, that big box of hard drives, you can just go out and plug them in and see which ones are dead, which ones still work. Yeah. Those definitely need external power, right? Those hundred percent need external. Well, I mean, you could probably power, you could, you could probably power them off of a USB, uh, uh, bus these days. Cause it's, it's just like, you know, it's just spinning up the motor, but, but yeah, they, usually they come with a big power brick. Soul drives five volts. Five volts. Are they? I think. I don't know. I never actually looked. Oh, yeah, maybe, maybe they're 12. I don't know. I've, I've been thinking about buying one of those for ages because I do have, my parents have some old hard drives lying around that I would like to go through. Like, do, do they work pretty well? Like, no issues? Well, I mean, every time I've used it, it's been to plug a hard drive in that's at least five years old. So, you know, your normal mixed bag of what works and what doesn't on old hard drives. Yeah. Um, a fair number of them need a pretty good whack to get the the bearings fluid in the in the lubricant because they, you know, it gets more viscous as, less, oh, as time goes. I had not considered that some of these drives are pushing 30 years old. Yeah. So the trick is to take a small screwdriver and hit it on the side. As, huh. as you're powering it up, which sounds just, scary. Just a little tap. You do it while the heads are parked and it's just enough to jostle the bearings inside the in, inside the thing and, and get the fluid a little bit more viscous. That's that's a good tip. I mean, uh, all those it, adapters, I've, I've been reluctant to get one because they're, you know, none of them are brand names you've ever heard of. No. And like in my case, it's not like I know there was precious data on those drives. It's more like I just want to know what's on there. So if they went up in smoke, it would be like, oh, whatever, it's gone, I guess. But like still you kind of worry about <laughs> plugging an old hard drive into a thing with uh, like a no name adapter and like something electrically bad happening. So I've never killed a drive doing that. I, I it's entirely possible that you could, my guess is once you like, once you get it, once it's working correctly with one drive, you're probably safe, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I'd yes. say go for it. Probably. Um, I'm going to talk about something on here that I've thought about bringing up before and just have never gotten around to. Okay. It's an app called too good to go. You told me about this and it sounded too good to be true. <laughs> it's kind of been the reaction from everyone I've ever told about this thing, especially once they start using it. I believe when you first told me about this, you were like, I'm going to tell you about something, but you can't tell anybody. I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Didn't want the competition. 
Okay, what what is this? What is this? What is too good to go, Brad? I, that that was when I was right in the middle of the. Oh my god, I can't believe this is real. I have to keep the secret. Is this, some, is this some venture capitalists funding your millennial lifestyle? No, absolutely not. This okay. came this came out of Europe. Um, I told I told friend of the show West Finland about this a few months ago. Uh huh. And like days later, he just messaged me. He's just like, "What have I done?" <laughs> Sent me a photo of a like mountain of pastries on a plate. Oh my god. It's it's an app that it started somewhere in Europe and then has come over here. It's an app that, that aims to eliminate food or not eliminate food waste. That's never going to happen, but reduce food waste. I like I like reducing food waste. I hate food waste. I'm, I'm sure. I mean, yes, I hate throwing out food, but I'm, I'm sure you know that there's like if you ever look into it, have you ever looked into it? There's like an astronomical amount of perfectly good food thrown away. The restaurant industry throws out an incredible amount of food every day. Grocery stores as well. It's yes. really it's it's kind of upsetting when you actually look at how much is being wasted, especially when you look at the external factors that go into food production, right? Like yeah. carbon generation and, and transport yeah. and distribution, blah, blah, blah. The amount um, of carbon that we spend making food that we throw away is, is truly horrifying. Yes. So the idea, uh, the idea of this app is that restaurants, produce vendors, anybody, markets, whoever yeah. uh, can, can sign up on here. And essentially it's a conduit for them to sell food that they would otherwise be throwing out. Oh, so like restaurants at the end of like, say, lunch service, uh, I mostly use it. We mostly use it for produce these days. Like we, okay. we kind of we kind of had our like hot couple of months of like, oh, my God, every restaurant around here, like they'll have a window at, say, three o'clock, like right after lunch service ends where they'll just like 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 there's an amazing Burmese place here near here. And it's like they'll just give you like like beef curry and like a flatbread appetizer that was going to go in the trash or whatever for like five bucks. So is this stuff, is this mostly like hot? Like, so, so I looked at it and by us, there's not a ton of stuff because I live in the suburbs. There's fewer restaurants, but it's definitely more valuable in the city for sure. Yeah. But it was like the place that did it is the, is the steam table Chinese place that is like, like they make a certain amount of food every day. And when that batch of whatever, of, you know, whatever is gone, then it's probably gone for that service. Right. Yes. So, so that's the, how you, and, and this actually requires a little bit of management because like it varies by restaurant, but typically there's a, there's a like enrollment window for a pickup and then the pickup happens later. And it's it, often, it's often the next day. It's almost oh. in fact, I've, in fact, it's almost never the same day. So you have to like kind of pay attention to it, but it'll be like, Okay, at two thirty today, we're going to open up however many slots we have, and if you get in there and get one, then the next day at three you go pick it up, and you have half an hour to get it. Or whatever. And do they so just like do you get to pick what you want, or did you just no, get no, what it you is, just, it is potluck? One thousand percent. You don't. You have no idea what you're getting. Like that's the other thing is that it's entirely at the discretion of the vendor what they give you. Man, that is incredibly compelling. It's it's weird. It's it's like this weird. It's almost like a blind box for food kind of thing. Do do you know what um, it is? No, like that's the thing, like for any given vendor at most, what they will tell you is like, you might get this, this or this, or there will be like a, a, some kind of algorithmic, like customers have reported getting X, Y, and Z from this, from this vendor. But do you like, do they like write on the box what it is? So you know what it is in case you like it so you can order it again later. So that's, that's another interesting aspect of this is that at least some of the restaurants around here, we've tried this with, they're giving you stuff. That's not a menu item. It's not like they're giving you a nice entree that came right off the menu. It's like, what here, here are some of the components that we make meals out of here. We're just going to like 
Oh, so it's like if Taco Bell cleaned out the refried beans and meat and sour cream tubes into a tub. But it's not like it's not like they're giving you plastic containers of ingredients. I mean, it's it's generally like something that is edible. It's like a it's a dish, you know, but it's not necessarily like a huh. fully featured entree. It'll be like I said, like in the, in the Burmese example, it's just like some basic curry and rice and like maybe maybe this little flatbread thing. So um, like then the, the entree would have like a fritter or something with it. To, right. Right. OK. So like we've pretty much fallen off of doing it with restaurants around here, mostly just doing it with produce stands, yeah. like places that deal in produce. And like, I'll tell you, I mean, like the benefit, again, the benefit for the vendor is there is a way for them to make a little more money off of stuff that hadn't already sold and is just yeah. going to get thrown out or whatever. So like generally, like if you're going to get produce or something with this, like you need to use that produce pretty fast. And I mean, like, like the next day or two. And now that I think about it, I think there have been like delivery services, right? Like produce box deliveries for a while doing the same thing of like, well, the produce box deliveries are generally like a farm, a farm to consumer, like direct to consumer farm stuff. So like we, we do one of those that's um, a farm co-op down south of us a little bit right. and they bring like every two weeks we get a box with like. And and you can say, I feel like you with that, you can say, no, I don't like I'm allergic to celery. I don't want celery, okay. but you can't, you, you don't like, you don't say I want this and this and this. You just say, Hey, don't get, don't ever give me these things. Oh yeah. Th this is not even that. Like this is literally yeah. just like they hand you a bag and you're done. But the, the thing I was going to say is there is one of those, um, produce box delivery services. I can't remember the name that focuses on like, you know, there's this kind of like grocery store obsession in this country with like produce that looks nice, quote unquote. Oh yeah. Yeah. So like this, the service I'm thinking of delivers produce that like didn't look pretty enough to go to the Safeway. Um, so that's another example of trying to get use out of food that wasn't going to get bought uh, traditionally. But this is, this is, this is even a step beyond that because again, like I said, like the, the places that we go to, it's like the greens they give you. If you don't use them in like two days, three days, you might not be able to use them. Like um, it, it is, it is very much being filtered by like, this is the stuff nobody bought. There's Misfits Market and Imperfect Foods are the two that I knew about. That's that's I think Imperfect is the one I was trying to think but of. The fourth Google result for ugly food business is an Atlantic article called headlined "The Murky Ethics of the Ugly Produce Business." Uh oh, oh God! So yeah, yeah, I, I so. was a little I was a little worried bringing this up that there would be some underside I didn't know about. You know about baby carrots, right? You're not really eating babies. They're they're just carrots, right? They're just ugly carrots that have been ground up to look like cute little baby carrots. Uh, that sounds good. I, I'll, I'll 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 keep an eye peeled on that. The produce seems like a better like not living in an area with like because your neighborhood is rife with produce stands and like corner markets that markets, actually have real yes. produce sections and yes, stuff like that for sure. Um, and also those, the typically in my experience, the people who run those kinds of produce stands are very keenly aware of what their margins are at any given moment. So always looking to, to turn waste into profit, I think. Yes, for sure. There, I mean, there are even, there are corporate establishments around here that participate in this though, like Pete's, oh, Pete's really? coffee. Oh, that's cool. I think that's where the pastries came from. Like Pete's coffee will like to give you a sack of, of three day, three day old. I don't know how old the pastries can get before usually. Like day olds, this might be two day olds. Like, day olds, they sell in the store. I often right. So that's what I mean. This is probably pastries. This, this is probably formerly day olds that didn't sell. They'll give you like a sack of those. So, so our does Safeway near you participate? No. So I was no. Say, our Safeway actually puts stuff out in a way that people come get it. Like they often, like they deliver. Um, bread and dairy stuff sometimes to local elementary schools so that people can just grab a loaf of bread or whatever on the way on the way 
out. Um, so it, it, you know, in, in that regard, this may be, char- you know, charging people for something that would otherwise be, uh, thrown out maybe in a, in a, is maybe, maybe challenging, but I, I still like this idea a lot. It, it's, it's definitely, there's definitely been a couple that we were like, ah, oh, this like, there's, there's been a couple of cases where they gave us something that like would have been cheaper if we had bought it off their menu, you know? Yeah. Like, like, like a couple of them feel like they're kind of abusing the system. But generally, it's been a really good experience. Also, the, the uh, what I have Googled of this thing, I have never seen anything come up that says there's anything bad about it. And typically, typically, if there is, that'll come up yeah. immediately in the in the search results. Usually near the top. Uh, well, I've, I've got another one. Uh, I have been using. So a few few years ago, I realized that the ability to sign up like the ability to sign up for things through my phone using Apple's sign up process where I don't have to like create an account or whatever actually makes it really easy to turn stuff on and off. So we've been using this for a long time. Like if something's on Paramount plus that we want to watch, we'll flip it on for a month or two and then flip it off as soon as we're done watching that. And there's no, there's no, the overhead for turning that stuff on and off is as little as setting up a reminder for 29 days in the future to, to, to remind me to turn it off again. So I don't get billed again. Um, and then just hitting the thing in the, in the Apple, subscriptions panel that cancels it you don't have to like you don't have to jump through any of the normal i'm unsubscribing hoops like calling somebody or like click even like digging into the account ui and finding the cancel button oh apple has actually hooked into the cancellation system of these different platforms so if you sign up through apple and you pay the 30 percent extra by signing up through apple oh i see then you can cancel through apple and you never have to talk to the services, which that is, seems that seems worth 30 percent. It is for, for something. So, for example, Disney Plus, I have a 10 year old kid. Disney Plus is always on in our house. <clears throat> I signed up to, for Disney Plus through the website. Uh, Paramount, AMC, like there's a bunch of uh, uh, Criterion is one that I flip on and off based on what they have on at any given time. Um, uh, uh, Peacock. Uh, well, Max, I get free with my ISP, but. HBO, I get free with ISP, but I'd like that would be what I'd turn on and off. Yeah. Is um, just a quick sidebar is is the HBO name literally done? Is it actually being eradicated? It's a header option on the new Max app. Okay. The new Max app is a real piece of shit, too. Yeah, I've, I've heard plenty like, of things about Max in general, but okay. So, like, HBO as a brand at least is going to a, exist still. It, it continues to look. I'm going to tell you. It's not going to exist for long. The 90 day fiance cinematic universe is going to eat HBO alive. Dude, the idea of HBO not being a name anymore is completely ludicrous. This is what happens when you let reality TV chuds take over media brands. Anyway. Yeah. Um, um, what you're describing. And then again, to be clear, we're talking about the, we're talking about the, like you go and start to make an account for service X and they say, sign in with your Google account, sign in with your Apple account, sign in with Amazon. And we're talking about that thing. Like what you're describing here is by far the most enticing reason to do that, that I've ever heard. Well, so, so this is separate from that though, because you can, you can, the, the account creation and the billing are two separate things for the billing to work. You just, you set up the billing on your iPhone or your Android phone, right? Um, For the account creation, you create the account using that, OAuth single sign-in thing. Um, the the Apple one where you use your where you can obfuscate your email address but still let them send you emails. 
through a, a, a Apple remailer is pretty handy. Like mm-hmm. I use that for, for, th- I don't use that for accounts. I'm ever going to want to log into again. Cause it's kind of a pain in the ass if I'm not on my phone. Um, but for stuff like ordering fast food for pickup and stuff like that, like, like my Taco Bell account is 100% set up through the bullshit. I have to click on the, on the phone thing to do it. Cause I never, I'm never ever going to do that on a PC. Um, the one gotcha on this is that once you sign up, a lot of these apps, once you sign up for the iPhone billing, you're forever locked into the iPhone billing. Oh, interesting. So if it's something that you might want to change over to being an always on sub at some point in the future, you either have to call them to make that happen, which is a pain in the ass, uh, and 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 get the requisite 30% discount, just to be clear. Or... Uh, you have to create a new account and you lose all your viewed data and all that stuff, which is a little bit of a hassle, but not the end of the world probably. So, um, but yeah, the, the trials, like I used it for, for filmic pro, I had to record my daughter's talent show the other day. And I was like, I want to use the fancy app that lets me control exposure and remote in from my iPad. And so I paid $3 for the filmic pro trial and got all the apps for the week that I needed them and then turned it off as soon as I was done recording. That's kind of convenient. Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, what else you got? Um, what should we talk about? We talk next? about cutting mats. Should we talk sure. about desk mats? Sure, mats. Mats. We love mats. Another single syllable name. Um, I I a few years ago <laughs> actually yes you <laughs> you originally wrote Matt with two T's on these notes. You wrote cutting Matt. Thank you. And Thank you. I yeah. felt I felt very bad for Matt briefly. What what have, what have you done to Matt? Um, the cutting mat on the desktop. Just to be clear, this is the healing, the self-healing cutting mats, the rubber, the rubber ones uh, that you use when you're using like an exacto knife or for craft stuff or, or whatever. I'm sorry, did you say self-healing? Yeah, they're self-healing. They, they You can slice into them with a thin blade and the, the they close up. The hole closes up. What? Uh, huh. It uses devilry. I don't know how it works. Yeah. Wow. Is that is that up there on the list with like glue or adhesive in terms of things that we don't understand on a molecular level, but still use? I think that it's uh, just a dense material. So it doesn't. So it, it closes back. I think it's I think my guess is that the cuts are still there, but you just can't see them. Um. But anyway, so they're usually like black on one side, green on the other. They have uh, a grid, uh, one inch squares usually. Um. And, uh, I have been putting them on my desktop for about 10 years now. It's my, one of my favorite things to do because it gives me a place to work that I don't have to worry. Like if I, if I leave the soldering tip, if the soldering tip hits the desktop, it doesn't fuck up my desktop. Or if these, I, are, are these like heat resistant enough to be suitable for that? Uh, you know, I wouldn't leave a soldering <laughs> iron on them for a real oh, long time, I see. but I'd rather damage the thing that costs 20 bucks than the desktop that costs way more. Right. Um, it, it gives me a place to glue if I want to glue okay. and I don't have to worry about if I drip a little bit of super glue on the on the desktop, it's not going to be a problem. Um, the other thing that they're great for doing stuff like Lego and and where you have to apply pressure and you don't want to uh, like divot up the surface of your desktop. So. Huh. Uh, yeah, highly recommend there. You can get them in all sorts of weird sizes. I think I usually have an 18 by 36 one on my desk and it covers basically like I have like computer stuff and mouse pads off to the right of me. And then this is the thing that's off to the left. And okay. also, also you can put your drinks there. And if you get oh. rings, it doesn't make a ring on your desktop, which is nice. Mm, that's a deep feel. So this sits to the side. You kind of wheel over to it. Mm-hmm. 
when it's time. I don't put the keyboard on top of it if I that's see. what you're if that, that's that's your where you so, where you're going. So different from a desk mat. It is different from a mouse pad style desk mat. Uh, I I experiment with them. Yeah. Uh, I so I have a charging mouse pad for my wireless mouse, and for a long time I couldn't figure out how to make that how to reconcile those two things because the mat made it a little kind of hump up a little bit where the, mm-hmm. where that charging or that charging pad is uh, somebody in my discord recommended a brilliant solution for that, which is to buy a roll of cork. That's the thickness of the charging mat, uh, which is, it's like, it's like three mil or something. And then you cut out a hole for the charging mat in the cork and put the cork down under everything, put the mouse mat on top of the cork, and then the cork will make the mouse mat flush with the top of the charging mat. And um, it's a very good solution. I wouldn't do like cutting work or gluing work on top of the desk mat, though, I don't think. That's fair. Yeah, It does make the keyboard nice and quiet, though. Yeah, that's good. Have you you ever, I'm sure you've seen some of these kind of maker-style projects to essentially cut out the bottom of the desk? as close to the top layer as humanly possible and mount the mouse charger in there. Yeah. You could, you can route it out really easily if you have a router. Yeah. So that your mouse just charges by sitting on the desktop itself. Mm -hmm. You could totally do that. The the problem with the Logitech mouse pad charger is that it has, so it has the pad where you put the mouse pad and the mouse rests, but then there's also a little radio duber at the top left corner of it that sticks up another, like, I don't know, a couple of millimeters. And, um, that would always be not flush, which would, which would annoy me. Love a good duper. I need a, I need a router. That's, this is the lesson is I need, I need a router to write out the top of my desk. This is a good idea. <laughs> Why would I be foolish not to do this? That's right. Just buying new coffee stuff, buying new woodworking stuff. Look, I told my wife we needed a new router. I think she thought I meant the one in the garage, but now she's going to be surprised. <laughs> Why not both? Yeah, exactly. Um, you want to talk about your recent barcode reader experience? Yeah. So I thought, I thought this was kind of interesting. So this is a weird, the, the barcode reader is one of those things that tends to be useful in unexpected places and times, but when it is, it's, it's, it's quite literally, um, a lifesaver. Yeah. It's, it's, it's incredibly, it's incredibly helpful. And this was one of those ones. Uh, my CPU and my desktop PC has to be RMA. Yes. And we, we, we talked about that on the Patreon episode that just went up. It sounds like, <laughs> You can find out about that at patreon.com slash tech pod. Oh, I think we mentioned last week that you were having issues, right? Briefly. The issues escalated. The, the issue, the issues have compounded exponentially since then. Yeah. To the um, point that the computer is no longer usable. Yeah. So I got to send the CPU back and to get the, the batch code and the serial number, I could either disassemble the entire thing, take the cooler off, look for the tiny printed numbers on the side of the heat spreader or on the side, not on the top. It's on the side. What? Look, man, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why they do there's, this. There's like barely any surface area there. Yep. It's real small. And that's, I would need a, like two magnifying glasses to see that. That's really weird. Or alternately it's on the box, which I mm-hmm. cleverly kept because it was a kind of cool box. And I was like, ah, you know, I never keep CPU boxes, but maybe I'll keep this one. Oh, that's the reason you kept the box. It's, a, it's, cool, cool. Yeah, it's a pretty cool box. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not, it's not the days of the, what were they like octagons or like something the, though? Those, yeah. Those weird Intel. I had one of those CPUs and I didn't keep the box. I'm kind of it, like it, it didn't fit on a shelf anywhere. I've, I've still got all the boxes from my build too sitting here. I'm, when is it time? I mean, 
Yeah, it's it's, it's time. Pro- it's probably past time, right? Well, I, I my generally my my feeling is generally once you're past the return window, it's fine to get rid of the box. So I put everything like I put all the parts that fit into the motherboard box. Yes, I, so I, like I do that. Power for supply sure. cables, all, all of that stuff. Um, and I and the the CPU box happened to fit inside the motherboard box, which yeah. is why I still have it. That's fine. anyway. The problem is the serial number is printed on a label that is also the security label to show that you've opened the box. And the way the label was applied on my box, it the cut point was precisely over the the serial number, like the printed serial numbers. Now, there's also like eight barcodes on the on the box. And I was like, oh, I've had this bar- barcode directly above the number that's now completely obscured by where I cut the CPU open is probably the number represented in machine readable form. And I opened up my barcode scanner on my phone. I pointed at it and it took me a few tries because I had to, and I had to actually put pieces of paper over all the other ones because it was read all the other ones first, but I eventually got the barcode and the batch number and I didn't have to take the computer apart to get the, 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 the serial number and stuff to do the RMA. That's fun and handy. Does the uh, most important question. Yes. Does the barcode reader provide a satisfying beep when it reads? No, I was disappointed. No, no beep. And also the barcode readers, I I downloaded five of them. I don't like any of them, which is why I'm not recommending a specific one. The free ones all tried to look up like the UPC or whatever. So it eventually would give you the number. But at first it tried to tell you what the number meant. And this is a serial number. So it doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything. It's not going to show up anywhere. It was a little frustrating. The batch number did show up. It was like, oh, it took me to the it took me to the uh, Intel Arc page for the batch number of that CPU. It was like this CPU is manufactured in November of 2022 at blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Yes. I I just have to mention, do do you do self-checkout? I um, there is something incredibly psychologically satisfying about that beep every time you successfully scan a barcode. Okay, so we're working on versus mode for the Anacrusis right now. I don't know if you remember playing Left 4 Dead versus mode, but when you do damage as an alien to one of the human players, it does this real good ding sound. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like a Quake 3 thing as well. Remember that every time you. Yeah. But in Left 4 Dead, because a lot lot of them is like damage over time, you get it's like ding, 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 ding. It's like it's like slot machine dings. Okay. Ding sounds are real good, man. They are quite good. The difference in no ding and ding. Mm-hmm. is the difference between like i want to keep playing it's like it is a That's, dings are psychologically damaging well, i mean everquest pioneered this phenomenon yeah. 25 years ago of course wow famously moved to a bong sound that was also quite good no but they fucked up because they made it too infrequent it has to mm. be like you need it to be every like two minutes you just need to keep that keep that vibe going fair uh anyway yes i love the ding i don't use the self-checkout because i feel i uh, like safeway employs a lot of people in our neighborhood yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, let's see. What do what, 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 you want to talk about? Footrests? Um, sure. I like a footrest. Footrests, I think, are, I have come to realize, are probably pretty important for, I've, I've generally kind of finally started looking at the, the health effects of sitting too much for too yeah. long, which I have done for my entire life. I stand for about two hours a day these days. I'm up to two hours a day now. That's, that's pretty good. That's, that's good. Uh, not not every day, but most days. Yeah. And uh, but I still use the footrest. So um, I went through a whole process. I bought one of the cheap Amazon Basics one years ago, and it was great. But I have hardwood, and it slid around like crazy, and it was making me like it was incredibly frustrating. Uh, so so I went on the hunt for a footrest, and I literally went to wire cutter and did the thing that I almost always do, and just bought the 
I was like, okay, what, is, what do they recommend? Oh, this one's 130 bucks. No, thanks. What's mm. the cheap, what's the cheap alternative? Perfect. I'll buy the cheap alternative. And I bought mm. the cheap alternative and it's been really good for about a year now. Yeah, that's good. It's a comfy life, uh, memory foam footrest. It's got something sticky on the bottom so it doesn't slide. And if I want to flip it over, I can rocker it. And when it gets all dirty and gross and full of lint, I just vacuum it and it's all cleaned up in like two minutes. Yeah. So, so like a, a foot rest is good, obviously, if you have ergo issues, if your chair height and desk height are not aligned properly. And like you, there, there's a whole science to like putting pressure on the back of the thighs against the front of the seat pan. Yeah. And, and how that hinders circulation and stuff like that. So like just having the extra height is good for ergo reasons, but I've, looking for a rocker, I think is the thing that you really want because something that has mechanical action where you can actually what what's the word articulates your your ankles and knees a little bit under the desk hmm interesting it's not you know it's not standing it's not it's not as good as standing but at least you are kind of engaging your your like you doing something yeah you're, you've got your legs are moving back and forth and there is at least some kind of action going on there that hopefully helps with circulation a bit i think that's probably key have you ever thought about the exercise bike under there just no. put, the, put the put the put the pedals down wouldn't, wouldn't that have to just be like a unicycle basically to fit under there? Well, no, no, they just put like, it's just the, it's just the wheel part and a resistance, the pedals and the resistance mechanism. There's no seat. Yeah. No, no. I just mean in terms of the size, it would have to be a very, a very small. Oh, um, I feel like Joey had one. He had an elliptical one that was pretty, that was, um, it wasn't, it wasn't very big. I was kind of surprised. I've thought about the treadmill. Right? That seems compelling, but then also I could just leave the house and touch grass and go for a walk. <laughs> guess that's an option as well yeah um did you settle on anything like you, you're kind of going through it right now with some different stuff i think on the so I, side i did get the upgrade pick from the wire cutter that you mentioned except that it was on a very deep sale so it was significantly less than 130 dollars. okay that's good um and i wanted something that was going to last uh I, I really like it it's a human scale you can see mm -hmm. it on the wire cutter uh the best foot rests list they like a human scale generally. Um, it's extremely quality, except that it's got a mechanical issue where it is not actually maintaining its full height at the moment. So I need to contact them. Oh, boo. And either try to get a replacement or return it. I'm not sure. But oh. generally, if I, I think a foot rest is a good thing. A foot rocker is a good thing to have if you sit a lot for your time. So, so this one, this one, because it has the rounded top, I wiggle my feet kind of constantly on it it's like i'm just like toe down toe up toe down toe up toe down toe up the thing i wish i had and i actually have an old pc sitting next to me on my left side is a footrest for when i want to lean back so i can kind of like get a little bit of a recline on if i'm playing mm -hmm. like i've been playing a little diablo 4 you know got that controller in my hands mm -hmm. and uh, i'll just do the, the lower the arm rests a little bit do a little bit of a recline prop my feet up that feels pretty nice are you you start playing it already I started the other day. Yeah, it is. It is Saturday morning. It's time of this recording. I haven't started yet, but I probably will today. Um, I am. Um, I the controller support is good. I got it working on the Steam Deck streaming from the PC just by adding the executable to Steam as a non Steam game. And it just worked. And oh. I was like, hell yeah. Uh, I mean, throw this on the list, I guess. A number of people we talked about Sunshine and Moonlight on the Patreon yeah. episode the other yeah. day. A, a number of people have recommended Play Night as a front end that will hook into Sunshine to I mean, I think Play Night is a front end for a lot of purposes, but does it find all your games? Yes, that's that's the thing that people have recommended it for is that apparently it will find, you know, Windows Store UWP games and Battle.net games and oh, hell yeah, name name it. You know, if, if it's a game on a platform. Apparently, it will pretty much automate pulling that in as a game um, and making it available to the home streaming. That's for, awesome for, for Moonlight. So it's apparently that Play Night, P L A Y N I T E, 
um, uh, it sounds like a good option for that. It's, that I it's, look into. it's kind of like, um, it's funny. The tools for that kind of stuff are getting really good. The emu deck we've talked about for the, for the, for the stream deck, steam deck, steam deck, uh, emu deck. <laughs> yes. Sorry. I'm looking at the thing. There's a thing on my desk that has stream deck written on it mm-hmm. and I see it and it just gets me anyway. Um, the emu deck thing sets up all of the emulators you want. And then that combined with the steam ROM manager will even dump like images and, and stuff in for your, for your old games. So like my link to the past ROM just shows up as a, as a steam menu, top level menu item when I'm playing, which is rad on the Steam as it deck. should. I mean, look, having, if, having, having a link to the past ready at all times is a noble pursuit. Look, I, I make sure I make sure that I have wind waker link to the past and, uh, and that's probably it right now. Anyway, um, you want to talk about power from it? Yes. Yes. By the power of de- desktop USB and 120 volt ports. Uh-huh. Yeah, you, you wrote down power. power strips with good USB ports, which I would like to talk about because I apparently have power strips with bad USB ports. So in the old, failing in the old days when USB was just five, 500 milliamps and it was relatively simple, you could just buy a power strip with some USB ports and it was probably fine. Uh, once the PD stuff started and they got more complicated, as we talked about in an episode like three years ago now, um, th- you, you had to start buying brands. Sure. To get that same same level. I, I've been buying the Anker ones for years now. Have had really good luck with them. I have a 10-year-old Anker power strip with some USB ports that's still going. The USB ports less valuable now than they used to be, but the power strip is still fine and the USB ports still work. Um, the ones that I like right now the most, they come in all different shapes and sizes. I have a couple that are like 10 uh, 120 volt plugs with with uh, you know 30 watt USB PD uh power ports. But the ones that I like are these uh, they're called power extend USB cubes and they come in both three USB A forms that doesn't do 30 that one does I, I want to say it's not 30 watt USB PD. It's um it's it's one of the 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 one generation older than that. But the USB C one does 30 watts, which means it charges a switch, it charges a Steam Deck, it charges an iPad. It doesn't charge it'll charge most laptops, but not full speed. Um but it also but it has three two USB A's, one USB C, and then three uh 120 volt plugs. And it has a flat spot on the bottom. It's it's like a little cube. It's literally a cube. Uh, it has a little flat spot on the bottom. You put a piece of nanotape on and I just glue that on the top of my desk. So I have power accessible when I have something, whether, you know, if I want to use my, if I want to use my, um, my, uh, 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 soldering iron, if I want to use, if I want to plug in a laptop, uh, if I want to plug in a steam deck or an iPad or a switch or whatever, I can do that just with that thing on sure. the desk in yeah. no time. Yeah. I'm, I'm currently just using my MacBook pro charger for that, which is just a single USB-C out. Yeah, I've been thinking about looking at something that's got more ports than that. Well, so the problem is with the higher wattage USB PD stuff, most USB like there there isn't an equivalent of the old. Hey, here's a thing with ten USB A ports that right. each do like twelve watts. Yeah, right. Yeah, like I I don't think I'm gonna find anything anytime soon where I can like power both the macbook pro and the pine soul at full heat at the same time sadly no um, but also you're probably never going to run the pine soul at full heat because that's no. hotter than you want to run well, well most I, mean, soldering stuff. I, I, I guess i should have said any heat because it needs it needs 20 volt output to heat up yeah. at all yeah, yeah, or yeah below that it will it'll like come on and you can 
do data stuff, but no, no, no soldering. Um, Set your firmware settings. Um, yes. Um, the, the, the real quick, the the power strips I've got are kind of intermediate between what you were talking about, where everything was 500 milliamps, and then the current state of you know PD and USB C and all that stuff. They're kind of no name mono price power strips. I got like five, six years ago, maybe. Yeah. Where where they've got they've got USB A ports, but they're like. I think one of them is one amp and the other one is two point is 2.5. What the iPad like fast charge was back. 2.5 amps is what the first, the is what the big, the fat chonky. Yes. Power strip with the, with the fold in. Yes. That's exactly was original one was. Yeah. So so these, these USB or these, these power strips are from that era. So it's got, I think it's a one amp and a 2.5. Those two USB ports. And they've also got like 12, you know, three prong, three prong uh, plugs on them. But those USB ports, we use them to charge iPads and phones around here. All of a sudden, iPads and phones no longer charge on those ports. And I have newer, no idea have you, have you upgraded the iPads and phones? Nothing has changed. Literally the same oh. cables, same power strips, same devices for like the last three years. And all of a sudden, the phones and iPads are throwing errors. Like, like you know, it'll say not charging. Like, it'll know that it's plugged into power, but it'll say not yeah. charging. Like that just started happening out of nowhere. And I don't know if there's just like something failing in that power strip or what. So on lightning connectors, they often the data pins that let them talk to let the charger talk to the phone often would corrode over time for old lightning cables. So look at your pins and see if if it's like pin three or four, I think gets gets corroded looking often. If you flip it the other way, it'll work. But that means you probably you, you might just need to replace the cable. Well, I, I tested cables with like legitimate Apple chargers, even on the same power strip. And that did work. So it was fine. Okay. Fine. So, so I think, it, I, think I, I did enough AB testing to say that it's almost certainly the USB ports on that power strip. Well, so the other thing I was going to say is that once upon a time, I was talking to a manufacturer of a power strip, uh, a power, like a surge protector company. I, I, think it was APC, but I don't remember for sure. And they basically said, if you have expensive stuff on a surge protector, you should not use it for more than five years because the surge protectors have a five year, have a five year, like they're reliably surge protectors for five years. And then after that, they just kind of become power strips. Is that? seem like something they should maybe just close a little more explicitly it's in the it's in, the, it in the fine, fine print, print i'm sure oh man uh, the f- i mean there are fuses so it'll still blow the fuse it just may not f- trip in time or something I, I i it was one of those things that they told me i was like this sounds a little fishy and then i never looked at it so i'm i'm a little i'm a little uh i, I am hesitant to share yeah that's power stuff seems a little dodgy in general i feel like i mean i know look electricity is hard i so I like I'm at the point now with like Amazon selling weird counterfeit shit that I hesitate to buy stuff like that from Amazon, honestly. Well, and that's why I bring up those monoprice strips we've got. Like, I don't think I would buy more monoprice strips or even from like Newegg or I mean, like I generally I feel like the number of trusted vendors. Like that's retailers. a target or best buy for me, probably. Yeah, maybe maybe that's the best way to go. Like, I just I feel like the, I feel like the number of reliable ways to get stuff like that is shrinking rather than growing. I, I can't believe that I just said the right place to buy a power strip is Best Buy. <laughs> sure. Um, the 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 other thing the yeah, the, the other thing is the. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I don't. It's just weird. Like, I don't don't buy off brand power strips from Amazon for sure. Yeah. Like, there's all sorts of weird shit that is not absolutely not UL certified there. And UL certification is one of those things that actually is good. Like, they keep you from doing like you you, you can buy mail to mail 120 volt extension cords on Amazon that will catch your house on fire. Right? Like, it is there's literally no. 
I think idiots use them to plug gas generators into their power in their mm-hmm. house and power mm-hmm. circuits, but it's a terrible idea and it will burn yeah. your house down. Yeah, there, there are other certifications there besides UL that are equally valid. Like what is the European one that starts with R? I, that one, I don't, I don't, I don't know that, but I mean, the, yeah, the, the, your local, Hey, this won't probably won't burn your house down because electricity is scary. Certification board is a valid thing. And yeah. it's not like, it's not just weird nanny state stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess in the U S UL is still probably the one you want to look for. UL is the one in the, in the U S yeah. Um, I have a couple of small ones, quickies okay. here. Right. Uh, I, I sometimes like to shoot down on things and have like a camera that's on my desktop that's movable and i saw a youtuber uh had set up a mic like a gopro or webcam on a microphone boom okay so the microphone boom has a cable channel for the usb cable that it that it can move within you screw the camera onto the onto the end onto a ball joint on the end of the boom and then you have free movement on the on your 20 dollar newer microphone boom that lets you put the camera wherever you want really easily. And it just stays when you let go of it. That does sound useful. You're talking the kind of boom that mounts to the desk, like clamps on the edge yeah, of the you desk. Clamp it on your desk. Like you're like the one that you're, that your microphone is attached yeah. to right now. Right. Do you, um, do you, do you leave that camera one there all the time or I, I don't, I just use it occasionally. So okay. it's a, it's a special use item, that, but it, I, it, I hadn't even thought about that. That's pretty good. Yeah. I thought, I thought that was, and, and like, I don't think I would buy like a, like $120 road or something like that for that. But, but like you can get a $20, oh, yeah. a, tw- a pretty good $20 uh, microphone arm on Amazon. Yeah. My microphone arms are insanely cheap and ubiquitous these days. Like I, I obviously that's the most useful if you're like streaming things that you work on and need to get a good overhead shot for long periods of time or something. It's fairly specialized, but that is, that is a good idea. Well, I mean, it's also nice. Uh, I mean, yeah, for streaming, of course, if you're doing work that you want to show like on a zoom or something like that, it'd be handy. Um, the using OBS virtual camera lets you share your desktop really easily with everything. Mm. It turns out. So if you pipe that into OBS, you can, you can, if you pipe that camera feed into OBS, you can put yourself on top of it and you can do like drawing or whatever. If, if you're working on a, on a dry erase board or something that works too. Yeah. Um, uh, Wi-Fi. I replaced all of the, the Zigbee smart bulbs in my house with wise Wi-Fi RGB smart bulbs this winter. Yeah. And it's been a delight. You, you told me about this beforehand and I went and looked it up and those, bulbs are getting pretty cheap Maybe. if you buy a four pack i think they're about 10 bucks each yes. which is what i paid for the cree connected zigbee bulbs 10 years ago yeah um i always feel a little weird about the idea of the wi-fi electronics or really any electronics in something that is considered a disposable or consumable item like a light bulb because it feels pretty wasteful but i guess these bulbs or led bulbs are going to last generally a very long time unless they fail yeah, I mean, I think 10 years like the the Cree bulbs, the Cree bulbs were ran really well for a long time. They started getting a little janky at 10 years when I replaced one a year ago. I was like, oh, wow, these have gotten dim. So the trick with LED bulbs is that they produce less light over time. Yeah. Um. So uh, you, like you don't notice when they're starting to die. All of a sudden your house is just dark all the time yeah, and you're like, yeah. why is it so dark in here? Yeah. I've, I've seen that really acutely in practice because I've got a, I, I bought like four strings of led Christmas lights like five, six years ago. Yeah. And one of them, I don't know if you can see it behind me here has been plugged in ever since. 
It's I can see the individual it's bulbs. Like, it's not like, even blowing them out I, anymore. Like, like the piggies, the piggies like need a little bit of light in the evening. When, yeah, I know. Look, I'm not, gonna, I'm not shaming. I'm not pig uh, shaming you. Anyway, if I get one of those other strings out of the closet that's barely been used and plug it in next to it, I mean, it's just a very stark difference, let's say, in, in brightness between the one that's been on for six years. And so the wise bulbs have a lifespan of 25,000 hours. Is there expected? It's going to start dimming after that. Um, but, uh, but I, I, you know, on the other hand, when I think about like how many, how, how much, what degree of electronics is actually required for Wi-Fi and st- stuff like that at this a point, tiny it's, like a, SOC it's like a tiny, a tiny IC in there. So maybe it's yeah. actually not that big a deal, but well, so the thing, the thing to do when I took out all the pre-connected, the, the Zigbee bulbs, I took them, you take them to electronics recycling because they actually will take them apart and, you know, okay. pull the boards out. I, I assume. Uh, honestly, that's, that's the real thing. As long as electronics recycling actually is doing what it says it's doing. And it's not like the plastic recycling that everybody found out was just a huge scam and going into landfills. Like maybe it's not that bad. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like the plastics recycling has damaged recycling in the United States. Uh, pretty, pretty badly um yeah. anyway the yeah so i replaced those we have color uh like like it's been really nice because like if you want basically any bulb in the house like both of the bulbs in my daughter's room can be night lights now right because right? i can set them to one percent and make them like pink and they're they're really nice warm kind of red red night lights that that's exactly what makes me want to get some of these because we, we have a ton of led bulbs on smart plugs so they're mm-hmm. just toggles on and off and then that's great but being able to dim and change color sounds kind of awesome well and the nice thing is hooking them into home assistant there's a plug-in that's a i think it's part of the add-on so it's not one of the core ones but i get full control over them i can do rgb i can set color temperature for the white light um the, the whole thing the the white light is a little it's a the the warmer end of the spectrum is a little oranger than I would expect, I think, mm. which is pretty common for RGB bulbs, especially cheap ones. Interesting. But I just don't you know, you you, you just don't use that that unless you want a, some orange lights in you unless you want if you want it to look like Dune, then you I, can make that happen. I do. OK, so then let me tell you a secret. Uh, I, I wonder that would be an interesting experiment to like, what if, what if you stepped your entire house lighting down, like every bulb in the house, what if you stepped from blue you, toward warmer? There's a over, home assistant plugin for oh, I, that. I know, I know you can do it. And yeah. I'm like, I, but I just, I, I wonder what that would be like in, in practice to kind of have the entire house become more orange over the course of the evening. Well, so what I've done for years is at 10 o'clock, I just bring the lights down. So yeah. it's like, it's like, a little bit dimmer, like each, each at 10 o'clock, I bring it down. And then I think at 10 30 or 11, I bring it down again. So it's like a gradual darkening. So you start getting a little sleepy around 11 o'clock or midnight. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, the other thing I did, and I hesitate to talk about this, but I've been using chat GPT to write home assistant scripts. Hmm. Go on. So I've had for a long time, a script that kind of worked the way I wanted, but wasn't exactly right. That checked the air quality using visual IQ, visual airs or IQ air. Now I think is the new company that owns them using their uh, air quality APIs. And then I would change the color of a light by the door at seven o'clock in the morning. So it reflected the current, the day's air quality. I couldn't ever get it to update right. So when visual air updated, it didn't update the the signal. So I was in chat GPT as one is the other day and I typed in, Hey, why don't you write me a script that does this? And then it wrote me a script. It wrote me a script that an automation that triggers automatically every time the visual air, uh, air quality changes for my particular location. 
and it changes the color of the TV backlight to match that. And then it turns it back to the normal color at like seven o'clock at night when we're probably not going to leave the house anymore. Sure. And, um, I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been doing a lot of weird scripting stuff as a, fun. with this, with this, with this forbidden knowledge, Brad, yeah, you know, it's fun. Look, I mean, what were you going to do if you didn't have this at your disposal? Spend six, eight hours banging on this, trying to do it from scratch. I mean, I'd spend at least that much trying to get it to work exactly the way I, like the stupid thing about this is I was able to say, use the color coding from the U S air quality standards and the data from visual air IQ and feed it, pull it from this sensor and f- change the color of this light on this frequency. And it just did the whole thing. Yeah. Right. Um, the, I, I did have to debug cause it, it fucked up the indents, which are important on the, on the scripts for home assistant. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, um, you know, like this, this is the, like, this is the positive empowering application of machine learning, right. Is, is like, everyday people just doing things that would have taken them like way longer to do. Right. Like, or, yeah. or, or that they wouldn't have been able to do easily at all before, you know, like I've, I've used whisper for transcription, audio transcriptions a little bit here and there. And that's been useful. I saw somebody I follow on Twitter tweeting about some guy who has been upscaling Ed, Ed and Eddie into 4k for like years now, <laughs> which doesn't <laughs> exist. Like apparently like the, commercial releases of that thing have been kind of fraught. Like, I guess maybe, maybe I think it was like the Blu-ray. They like ruined the color or something, transfer something. or something. Yeah. Apparently they he used the, this person's using like the DVD source, which is like the best color out there. But, you know, obviously lower res and is like restoring this entire beloved animated show <laughs> into 4k with AI upscaling stuff. Like there are, there are, you know, there are like end user applications that are pretty cool. I, um, so the next phase of this and, and the, the weird thing is it hit some end, it hit some endpoints that I hadn't seen. Well, like in the research I'd done trying to get this to work the old fashioned way, it did some things that I didn't had never seen documented in the home assistant documentation before. And when I went and looked for him, it was there. But I just like I wasn't searching for the right thing and I wasn't able to find it. And it knew from presumably other scripts that somebody else had written that like this was this was this was what you would do when you ask for this sort of thing. Interesting. Um, I was I was pleasantly surprised. The next step is to uh, have it write an automation that automatically turns the bathroom light off 10 minutes after you turn it on. Huh. OK, because like it's on a smart switch. It should be able to it should know. Uh, what, are, what, are, what are those scripts written in? Boy, I don't know. Python, maybe? <laughs> it's okay. not Python. It's like, it's like a, no, 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 no. That's not right. It's, um. I know the configuration is YAML on, in Home Assistant. Yeah, it's, 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 it's YAML in the scripts, too. The scripts are YAML, oh. too. Wait, can you script in YAML? Uh, I believe so. Edit in YAML. Hang yeah, on. So here's a, here's a, yeah. Oh, that's the old one that doesn't work. Here, I'm going to give you the one that does work. The automations are all YAML. That's why the indentation matters because YAML cares about indentations. Scripts can be created via YAML configuration, says the Home Assistant scripts page. Yeah. I didn't realize that was a thing. Uh, so uh, I think with Home Assistant, theoretically, you can put everything in the configuration doc, but realistically, you want to have it in sub files for a lot of good reasons. Right. Uh, like I have a notification. This one I wrote myself the old fashioned way. When the dryer's done, it pops up a voice prompt on the Google homes in the living room. That's like, Hey man, the dryer's done. <laughs> These clothes inside me are so damn hot. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's yeah, well, cause good. the, the dryer's in the garage and we can't hear the buzzer. Oh, so sure. like, it's the stupidest thing in the world, but it turns out 
it's actually really good because otherwise we would never know that uh the 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 the, the dryer's done yeah that's like that that sounds like an example of good future yeah there's, there's a lot of bad future out there but that's that's pretty good um i i would i would probably never use this specific use case because i am the type of sicko that wants to write all that stuff myself because that's the fun part. Yeah. Making and configuring the thing is always more fun than using the thing. Well, Discord ate my, uh, it ate the white space in the YAML file, but there's the script that it wrote. Here, okay, here's my last tip and trick. Yeah. You got one more? Edit this message. You just pasted me your automation for, which one is that? That's the AQI. The TV that's, shows that's, that's, the AQI quality, the air yeah, quality. Yeah. Edit that message. Yeah. Put three back ticks at the very front. What's a, what's the fuck is a back? Oh, oh, wow. It's the other character on the tilde key. The other key. apostrophe. Uh, on the tilde, yeah, the, the, the not shifted tilde key. And then put three more at the end. Boom. That's amazing. See, so look how nicely monospaced that is. Now, there is a way to specify in uh, in that formatting. Oh, I can tell it it's YAML. Yes, you can tell it. You can tell Discord that that's YAML and then it'll syntax highlight all the relevant stuff. Why? Why? Why do I pay for teams at work? That's I what know. I want to know. I don't know. Should just use Discord. Discord's pretty good. It's not, it's not perfect, but nothing is. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Anything. I'm looking at the last yeah, list. Well, I, think, I think we probably covered most everything. Re- reusable zip ties are real good. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about those. We talked. Yeah. The desk episode. Uh, getting a good USB battery pack that does 30, 30 watt power delivery is mm-hmm. freaking awesome uh, because you can charge everything off of it and use stuff like uh, I, 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 I use Brad. Mm hmm. I use a USB-C adapter and my big battery backup to power the pine sole when I'm not really? near a plug. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That works? Uh-huh. Huh. For how long? I don't know. I, it hasn't been a problem yet. Wow. I might have to, I might have to look into that. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's it uh, for this week, I guess. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, the last one is, uh, I, I talked about it a few weeks ago, but I bought this soft brush for keyboards to get like beard hair and crumbs and not crumbs, but like just general human detritus off Ugh. of my keyboard. Ugh. It's gross. Uh, it's real good. And I just brush it off at the end of the day, every day. And then my keyboard is all nice and tidy and there's no gunge in it anymore. So gunge? humans are gross. That's is the that, takeaway. Is that what you said? Gunge? Gunge. Grunge. Did, like you, you, said, you said you say you're using that keyboard brush for something else as well. I can't remember. Uh, I mean, it has a the one I bought is a multi-purpose one. And it has a like a like a fine point. It's I think it's specifically for getting gunk out of your ear pods. Uh, but I, I it's it's a good shape to get in other places where stuff gets backed up. Um, should we call that an episode? Yes. Yeah, so yeah, we should probably call it because I'm frantically sitting here trying to tell you how to enable the YAML syntax highlights in that message. No, <laughs> should probably do that on our own time. Yeah. That's a, that's, I think, you, I think you just put, I think it's like type equals YAML or something in there in, in the, after the parentheses, I can't remember. There was a conversation about this on the discord a couple weeks ago, but if you would like to join the discord and be part of that conversation, you can by going to patreoncom slash tech again. It's patreon.com slash techpod. Brad, one more time. Oh, did you say patreon.com slash techpod? I did. And for five bucks a month, you can join the fabulous techpod community. You can be a part of the conversation in the discord. You can get 
the exclusive patron episodes of the podcast where we talk about such things as my busted ass CPU and um, let's see deep dive on your uh, production process shooting the talent show at your child's school. Yeah. The hey, when you find out on Friday before Wednesday that you're shooting a talent show on Wednesday and you're like, how can I make this? I need two. I need two cameras so I can cut between things. How do I make this happen with no budget and no time? Uh, and, uh, and a little bit about my experience with Filmic Pro, which I hadn't had a funny, like it ended up being a fun reason to, to experiment with some new software. And I'm going to tell you using, using the remote, like I put the remote, the Filmic remote thing on my iPad connected to the iPhone hotspot because the school Wi-Fi sucks Mm -hmm. and had like a live, I put the camera 10 feet up in the air had a live feed of what I was looking at oh, on the wow. iPad while I was sitting in the in the audience and could adjust exposure and focus while I was just sitting there. Yeah, I don't think I realized you had a live feed. I, th- I thought it was just a control surface on the iPad. No, it was a live feed, man. It was oh, amazing. Wow. That's, yeah. that's super cool. It was some spy shit. Um, so, yeah, and if I had, if I had done two two iPhones instead of the GoPro, I could have theoretically switched back and forth between them. Although I don't know how I would have actually done that in practice because it would have been kind of a lot. But anyway. Uh, yeah, we do that every month. Uh, we talk about whatever we're working on. We talk about things of interest. Sometimes we talk about, uh, like movies and TV shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is the 40th anniversary of war games today. Wow. Really? Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. I, so I want to, I think we should do that war games episode Maybe soon. It's time. It's been yeah, a while. We're, we're due. God, what is the last movie we did? Sneakers? It's been like, it's been more than a year. Was sneakers the last sneakers one? Sneakers was the last one, I think. Yeah, I, I watch a lot of movies these days. Yeah, so. you started doing a movie podcast, which, which, uh, you know, I, I am, I'm going to go and tell you, I'm jealous of the, of the David Lynch sequence that's coming up on the other, mm. on the other uh, podcast. We, we started with Blue Velvet, which was uh, a whole thing. Blue Velvet's an intense. Uh, it was a whole thing. Have you seen the David Lynch Dune movie? I believe that's next. I have not. Oh man, I cannot wait to hear which. Anyway, I can tell you in about five seconds if that's next. I think that's next. It's either that or Wild Horses, I think, is Wild the one. Wild at Heart is Wild the other at heart. one. Yeah. The cage. Anyway, uh, patreon.com slash checkpod. Uh, every month we thank, all, every week we thank our executive producer here, patrons, uh, and and everyone. We thank everyone. We, we appreciate you all. Thank you, patrons. Thank you, patrons. Um, but the, the special thanks to Nick Johnston, Paddle Creek Games, makers of Fractured Veil, Andrew Slosky, www.bunnycrimes.com. Just Wedge, Joel Krauska, Twinkie says Mike B is the GIF Lord, David Allen, and James Kamek. Thank you also so much. I'm attempting to visit. Oh, yeah. www.bunnycrimes.com does go somewhere. I won't say where. Yeah. I'll leave that. I'll leave that as an exercise for the listener. Wow. I can't wait to see what's what's there. Uh, And then, hey, thanks to our newest uh, patron, uh, Sander. Sander, thanks for signing up. Yeah. Thank you. We appreciate you. Thank you to Sander and all. Apparently... We have enabled free tier uh, patrons. I didn't know that we did that yet. Wait, I did. I didn't do that. I didn't do that either. That did, Patreon might have done that for Patreon us. Patreon decided to do that for I'll us. I'll have to investigate huh. um, and see what access those folks have to the Discord. Interesting. Well, hey, welcome free tier patrons. Oh. Uh, maybe we can put, we, we, look, I don't know. We'll I'll have to figure out how to use this free tier business, but, um, uh, thanks everybody for supporting the show. We appreciate yeah, you and for sure. um, enjoy doing this every week. So could not, and would not do it without you. Um, Hey, one other thing, uh, if you have topic suggestions, mm-hmm. 
There is a for forum in the Discord, or you can send an email to techpod at content.town. Uh, and we would love to hear what you would like us to talk about. Yeah. Uh, it's always like we, we have we're working on the Bluetooth trifecta, which I think is three episodes looking at how it's breaking down right now. There's a lot about Bluetooth. Um, yeah, there's a lot about Bluetooth. We we uh, I think we should do an episode on pass keys because that's a new thing. Yeah, that's, com- that's going to be coming up soon. I almost started to mention that in this episode. I don't think it's quite in the scope of this, but yes, one password has pass keys. I believe they're coming to Bitwarden soon. It seems like the hotness in password managers these days, and I'm not entirely sure how they work. And I would like to know. Yeah, the, I, like your phone is going to support pass keys out of the box soon. Um, if it, I I think iPhones do already, I don't know what the Android, but which version of Android is going to support them first, but like, it's, it's the new, it is the new thing. It's the, you know how we've been saying for years that passwords are bad and we should get rid of them. This is the thing that's going to get rid of passwords. I mean, there'll still be a password in there, nope. right? Not oh. that you ever have to, not, not that's human accessible. Not even at the account registration step. I don't know. That's why we need to do an episode. Yeah, it's confusing. Yeah. It's a, it's a big shift in how this stuff works. So I Googled the term pass keys and the first thing that came up was a blog on one password that literally said pass keys, the future of passwords or the future of authentication. Yeah. So, um, so we'll do that. Uh, but if there's other topics that you all are confused about, you're interested in, you don't understand, you would like to know more about, that's what we're here for. So please post them in the, in the, mm-hmm. in the episode suggestions channel, send an email to techpod at content.town and, uh, we will, uh, you know, we're listening. So thanks yeah. for listening, everybody. And have a lovely, lovely week week.